Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering school ties. With special guest, Matt Abal. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Stuart. You remember how good of a movie Dead Poets Society was? Yes, I haven't seen it in like a decade, but it is a good movie. It's a great movie. It has a little baby Ethan Hawke in it. It does. It's a nice little movie, you know. Yeah. North, north, uh, you know, very east coastal, northeast region, boarding school, all prep, all boys, boarding school. Yeah. As um, Dead Poet Society, if I'm recalling correctly, was shot in partially in my high school in Delaware. Yeah, it was shot in Delaware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sean Delaware, I believe that part of the location was my high school's original location. Nice. Or maybe I, maybe I'm mixing up with another school in their area. Well, in either case, we can all agree like Dead Poets Society, good movie, you know, it's got some good lessons about, you know, what it means to be a man and, uh, how to like, you know, follow your dreams and follow your goals despite what, you know, society expectations are for you and breaking family you know, uh, traditional paths that you're yeah. expected to go through. It's, it's just a great, great movie. It's a movie about the inversion, about um, like breaking down high school masculinity. Yeah, and supportive and nature and you know finding love in the arts. I think it's just a great movie about a really nice school. It's a good movie. Um, this movie is about pricks are always going to be pricks. Yes. And fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to tie us all together here, we are not talking about the movie Dead Poets Society. We are not talking about Dead Poets Society. We are actually talking, talking about, about Live Poets Society. Right. You probably have already seen the title of the episode, so you know this isn't about Dead Poets Society. Yeah. There is a point to why we brought up Dead Poets Society, yeah. but uh, we're actually here to talk about school ties. Yeah. I'm all dressed up in my school ties. That did not work. It did not work. It did not work. <laughs> it did not work. <laughs> that was an attempt at a bit, and it We crashed. spent 20 minutes deciding how we are going to introduce this episode. Yeah, we, there was a lot of discussion about Fif- how to start this 15 episode. 15 of those minutes was Jeff trying to sell this suit and tie Justin Timberlake <laughs> idea. I told him no it did many not times. I'll, I'll be the first to cop. It didn't work. Okay, <laughs> it, didn't it did not work. work. Uh, you, you shoot 100 bits a minute, they can't all be winners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Recovering School Ties came yes. out in 1992. A movie with a deceptively misleading poster. Oh, really? Not in, like, a huge way. But if you look at the poster for this movie, this is not the poster the movie released with. The post of the movie released with is this one, which is, I'm showing it to Stuart. Yeah. It's Brennan Fraser in a car with the window coming up, and he's looking at a bunch of kids hanging out, a bunch of boys hanging out together. Yeah. Like showing his distance from them. Yeah. The post that is used post-release um, is this one, in which you will notice, instead of you know trying to tell the ideas of the movie in the poster, which is what a great poster does, Yeah. it's selling the fact that half of the cast of this movie... Went on to become famous. Because this is Matt Damon's first movie. Yeah. It's Ben Affleck's first movie. Yeah. Um, it's Brendan Fraser's, like, third movie. It's like, well, I would say it's his, like, spiritual... It's essentially his second movie. Yeah. If you count just theatrical releases. Right. And he shot this first. Yeah. And then Chris O'Donnell um, is in this. Yeah. I will point out, 
two of these guys have probably less than 20 lines in this movie. Right. Ben Affleck has less than five. Right. He just happens to be like a supporting guy. He's like on the seventh page of billing. Now I'd say like Chris O'Donnell and Matt Damon have pretty substantial parts of this movie. Matt Damon, yes. Chris O'Donnell, like he's uh, present. Well. But I wouldn't say he's like, he doesn't really have a character. He's I, just kind of the roommate. I I would say he's like, he plays like the subtle part of the moral compass of the guys. He does. I, I don't think there's a lot enough of his, like, enough of him in this. Are we already coming to a disagreement on this movie, Jeff? Yeah. I just find it very funny that this, because this movie was a bomb at the box office. Yeah. That to sell, that it just got extremely lucky in the DVD realm. Yeah. Because the entire cast went on to become megastars. Well, and Chris so, O'Donnell a little. Chris O'Donnell, I mean, he, he's Robin. Um, yeah. But the uh, they were able to just blast Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck who clearly looks like he it does not is not aware he's going to be on the poster for this movie, right? In this image, um, Matt the 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 Ben Affleck one is a little startling. Yeah, Ben Affleck one is very startling because <laughs> like if you know his role in this movie, like you're right, Jeff, he literally is just like he has uh, less than five lines. Yeah, borderline a background actor. Yes, in this movie, in the opening of the movie, he gets credited on like it's like. Brennan Fraser, um, Chris O'Donnell, Matt Damon, Matt, Matt Damon, and then it's like a group of four guys, another group of four guys, and then in the third one, Ben Affleck is like third down the list. Yeah, front and center on this poster. It's very funny. Yeah, it I is. just wanted to start with that because I find it funny. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so I would say this is actually this movie was actually shot uh, before Encino Man. Yes, but this came was, out after. If you discount dogfight um this is the first live action theatrical movie that he filmed yeah yeah because like i was gonna say it's like it's his first like like this would be akin to like i don't know like i'm not gonna say saturday night fever because i just mean that in the sense of like this i would say this is ostensibly like the saturday night fever for John Travolta as a for Brendan yes. Fraser, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just because like this is his first the, like feature film theatrical starring role. Yes. Before this, again, like Encino Man came what came up before this movie, yeah. but it was shot after. Um, and then there was uh, Guilty until Proven, Proven Innocent, Innocent, which is his starring TV yeah. role. Does but that- with that being said, it's still kind of a Martin Sheen vehicle, but. He, he yeah, is definitely, he's, in, he's in it enough. He, yeah, he's definitely I like... Boy in the Plastic Bubble is a Buzz Aldrin vehicle. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Dogfight, and then Child of Darkness, yeah. Child of Light. Because Dogfight is the, the um, Carrie equivalent, yeah. even if his role is a lot smaller than Trolls' was in Carrie. Yeah. Um, uh, boy in the Plastic Bubble gu- with... Guilty, guilty is Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Yeah. And then I would say, based on these being filmed... In the opposite order, you can plug this in for Saturday Fever and Encino Man in for Grease. I would 100% agree. And it also, like, again, it's weird how this is sort of matching up spiritually, yes. Jeff. It's matching up very much. Because you have Saturday Night Fever school ties, both thespian, very they're, dramatic. Yeah, they're very intelligent movies. Very intelligent movies. Or at least they're trying to be intelligent yeah, movies. Yeah, dramatic-related roles that require, you know, depth in character. Then you get Grease and Encino Man. Which are the movies that... The carrot that Travolta and Fraser are more kind of popped off more, and that kind of became their shtick. 
and it's maybe not what they were specific. I mean, I'm sure Travolta loves singing and dancing. Yeah. Um, but it's like rather than showing the dramatic work, the blockbuster becomes the ones about um, music, a '50s musical, yeah. or he's a caveman with Pauly Shore. But I think this who is... still hasn't responded to my text. Oh no! <laughs> For folks who may have not been totally present, our last episode on Cena Man, I Jeff did text Pauly Shore. Did indeed text via cameo should i just pay the fucking 750 dollars and have him do an ad for this podcast no you are not doing that as your friend i am going to tell you that is not a good idea don't don't do that jeff you know how (laughs) i convince myself out of making bad purchases i quantify it in the amount of hours i have to work to make that amount of money and so to pay 750 dollars for paulie shore to do an ad for this podcast that would be the equivalent of working four days when I'm working this week, for the first four days, I'm gonna be like, "Do I really want to be doing this right now?" So Polly Shore doesn't add for my podcast. And the answer will be no, and that's how I will talk myself out of this. Interesting. Okay, I quantify um, my purchases yeah. in the hours worked. Okay, if I spend thirty dollars, I'm like, "Hmm, that's like an hour or two. Yeah. 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 I guess so. Uh. At any rate, yes. one, one thing I wanted to get to with this uh, particular role and this order of movies is this does something a little bit different for Fraser than it does for Travolta. Yes. So I 100% agree that like Grease was more of like it popularized Travolta. Yes. I mean, Saturday Night Fever proved his accolades. Yeah, and he proved got, he was an actor. And he got his Oscar nomination. And he got his Oscar it. nomination. Um, and I would say, but here's the difference. Both films got an audience yeah i mean santa fever was a mega success exactly i don't want to like discredit that made an insane amount of money yeah both films got an a huge audience yes uh grease still being like the number eight highest grossing musical in the world um whereas for fraser school ties i mean like i rented it on amazon prime for like three dollars yeah and but i had not heard of this movie before you know we started this podcast yeah I had no knowledge it existed. Yes. And this is a movie that, while it's not impossible to find, it's still, like, kind of a movie that... You're not going to watch unless, like, you have a reason to watch it. Exactly. Like, it's on HBO Max right now, for anyone who's curious. Maybe that's how I watched it. And it wasn't like, you know, I'm sure if I was just scrolling HBO Max, I'd be like, oh, a high school movie with Brendan Fraser, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck. Yeah, when they're all really young. I'm like, maybe I'll add it to the watch list and then never watch it. Yeah. Because... We all know that if you add something to your watch list, you're saying, I'm not going to watch this. Exactly. Do you ever do that thing where you go back into your old watch list from like your Netflix and all yeah. your other accounts and you see all the stuff you add and you're like, yes. I'm not going to watch this. You delete, delete, delete. And I'm you a- sort of refine, refine, refine until you have like five things that you're still telling yourself you're going to watch. Yeah. And then you don't. I have the Barack Obama narrated 10 part miniseries of a national parks. <laughs> <laughs> I have like, I think I put Doctor Who on there at some point. Oh my So I've God. never seen an episode from. Oh my God. Um, That it's like lists like, 30 fucking seasons <laughs> i mean you gotta start with the echoes don't don't you don't have to do the classic you no, get, i think it's like literally like the thing is like start with 1966 oh no 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 <laughs> like, no, oh no. no 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 do like, i per, i know i'm gonna get like heated by whovians out there but like i'm just a doctor who fan i'm not a whovian you know the difference right you just you you appreciate it you don't like worship it worship it yeah whovians worship doctor who i'm just a doctor who fan 
Uh, just start with the Christopher Eccleston one when it came back on BBC. You don't have to go all the way back to the fucking first doctor shit. Yeah, uh, William Hartnell. No doctor. Yeah, no, you don't have to do that. It is funny, like that all of the doctors were old men until like Chris, until like Christopher Eccleston, and they're all young. Yeah, I actually think that's something about British broadcast culture or something like that that old guys the old guys could just like lead a show yeah like you watch a stout old guy be a wizard for like nine seasons i mean they did bring um uh who was who's the guy after um um tom baker john pertwee no i'm talking about the newer seasons Oh, um, um, Matt's Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. They did bring Peter Capaldi into it. Yes, kind of brought back the old guy esque of it. The old guy energy. The old guy energy. Um, O O G E. Yeah. Hodge. Old guy energy. Yes. Uh. All right. Anyway, back to Fraser. <laughs> back to Fraser. Um. So, whereas Encino Man, I feel like really locked him down for like. This guy's a comedy actor. Yeah, like he's very good at being funny. He's very good at being charming. And like we can take a look at the future movies to come and like we can see like the decisions have been laid out for him. Um and so like I'm just taking a quick look at this but like so after after this his next movie is 20 bucks. That's the next thing we're going to be covering. Then yeah. Son-in-law, which is another uh, Polly Shore. We're not covering Younger and Younger. Younger and Younger will be after Son in Law. Uh, but that's a comedy film. Oh, okay. With Honors. That's another comedy film. Yeah. Airheads. Airheads comedy. In the Army Now comedy. The Scout comedy. Passion of Darkly Noon. Intense horror. <laughs> Interesting. Um, we'll be having Cole Bradley on for that one. Yeah. Um, now and then. But, like, his career kind of becomes like. Doing comedy bits with the occasional dramatic work. Yeah. And this is going to become like a major talking point in yeah. future episodes when we do our retrospectives that I feel like these two movies is a critical defining point for Fraser's career going forward. Yes. Because the thing I wanted to say about Fraser is, and I'll say this as opposed to Travolta, because Travolta, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like, I th- is dad owned a tire company but his mom worked in show business i believe that was the case and so like he was doing a lot of broadway stuff and like musicals when he was like a teenager and got Mm. his first role at 18 i mean like brendan frazier is the midwest boy yes he's the kid that grew up in indiana moved out and did you know went to school for acting and then he got in the industry. And then he started auditioning, took his background roles, and then got his first role. Yes. But I want the th- the reason being is because like Frazier, I feel like you know he doesn't come from, and I don't mean this in slight to Travolta, yeah. but he, I assume Frazier had like no answer uncles as producers. Yeah, as far as I can tell, like he had one relative who was a um, like an Olympic medalist. Yeah. But that that's like his closest connection to show business. Right. And so, like, I feel like with Fraser coming into the industry fresh and a complete outsider, you know, Fraser's going to take what he can take. Yes. And so if, you know, he looks at this defining moment like, well, people didn't like school ties. So they just didn't go see it. But Encino Man made they a good amount. They loved me in Encino Man. They loved me in Encino Man. I think I got to stick with this comedy shtick. Yeah. 
which also involves... I got to stick with what people are seeing, not what I enjoy doing. Right. And what people are seeing is Brendan Fraser act silly, goofy, goofy, and with his shirt off. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in the future because I have a lot of points to say about that. It's like, even with, you know, The Mummy. Yeah. Like, his he's he's very broad in that movie. Yeah. He's playing very comedic. Yeah. I think he's great in The Mummy. Oh, Don't get yeah. me wrong. Right. But it kind of just becomes like he's an actor who wants to do... He wants like a Tom Cruise career at this point. Yeah. When he's doing like Firm, Interview with the Vampire, you know, occasional action movies, yeah. dramas, legal thrillers. Yeah. Uh, but instead he kind of like gets diverged into more of a comedic charm offensive. Yeah. Comedic charm and someone who's nice to look at. Yes. And I don't want to discredit, like, he's good in those movies. He's very good at that stuff, which is why he kind of gets directed in that way. Yeah. He's maybe even better in those than he is in dramas. Yeah. But that's besides the point. The point is not, like, which of them he's better in. The point is, what did he want to do? And folks may be asking why we are spending so much time talking about it. And I'll tell you my reason, Jeff. this is the Fraser's Edge, buddy. I'll tell you my reason, but I, I want to here you know if you agree the reason why i went on a little tangent about this is because brendan fraser fucking rocks in this movie he's very good he's so good in this movie mm-hmm. and like i just i feel like i this if this was like a first time view of an actor i genuinely without any sarcasm implemented like mm-hmm. i would want to see where he's going after this yeah. movie you know, you know who actually a good comparison figure with Brendan Fraser right now is? Who? In the screen? Harrison Ford. We've, I think we've said this before. We've said that he has similar energy to him, like that he's like he's good at like being the goofball. Yeah. Like the Indiana Jones, Rick O'Connell comparison. Yeah. But a great thing is like, you know, Harrison Ford, he does three Star Wars movies, three Indiana Jones movies in the 80s. He yeah. also has like Blade Runner and um, whatnot. Yeah. He, like Fraser, wanted to be a dramatic actor yeah he was happy to do indiana jones and he was maybe less happy to do star wars but right he's good in those movies um but the thing that he like really what his favorite like the movie he really went in on was witness initially with peter weir yeah which he's incredible and he gets his oscar nomination for it yeah um that comes out and he is really invigorated by that process of like playing a real dramatic movie. Even yeah. though the movie has action scenes, it's ostensibly an action thriller movie. Yeah. Um, and so he goes in with Weir on this next movie, which is Harrison Ford's like most personal project is the Mosquito Coast. Mm. I don't know if you've seen the Mosquito Coast. No. Many few have. It's an incredible movie. It's basically like he plays um an inventor, like hyper libertarian inventor. Yeah. Who decides he wants to get away from the commercialism of America. So he takes his family and moves to South America. Decides he's going to live entirely off the land and bid his village. And it's very much like an like an Icarus has fallen story. Yeah. Of this guy losing his mind in the jungle. Okay. Incredible movie. Complete flop. People were like, Harrison Ford doing a serious movie. So silly. And he was so discouraged by the reception of that. He never really did anything like that again. Hmm. Which is, I think, kind of... And I think this is a much smaller case of that for Fraser. Yeah. Because don't get me wrong. He will do dramatic work in the future. Right. Gods and Monsters, for example. Yeah. Critical acclaimed movie. He will do it, as did Ford. But I think there's a similarity to be drawn between the two. Yeah. Where they kind of saw that their more populist work gets them better accolade. Like, people are more interested in that. Yeah. 
So they're like, well, I'll give them what they want. Yeah. So, Jeff, my yes. question to you is, does that make you all the more excited to talk about the movie Extraordinary Measures when we get to talk about oh. Brendan Fraser and oh. Harrison Ford oh, Stuart, don't in even. one movie? That's a dr- dramatic role for both of them. Don't even. Don't even what? Don't even talk to me about that. Uh. <laughs> no, we're, because we're going to, we are going to talk about it. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. But don't get me. We still got, we got months to go, buddy. Months. months months and months yes and so school ties um shall we dive into context for this movie now we've kind of laid the fraser context yeah um the context for this is that it's you know it's a high it's a high school boarding school movie much like dead poet society yes it's mostly shot in worcester in massachusetts uh, i have an aunt who lives near there yeah um so i've been to the area the uh at the beginning of the movie fraser does leave scranton and they film scranton in massachusetts which i just think is disrespectful to scranton <laughs> <laughs> scranton deserves to be seen as like the the, the mud pit that it is in, in, all, in all honesty jeff being from pennsylvania so we can say scranton is a mud pit scranton like if you've ever seen the old like 2008 election snl skits where Jason Sudeikis is Joe Biden's like, I'm from Scranton. It's a hellhole. I got out of there. It's like, you know, it's how Pennsylvania is Scranton. Yeah. It, it's really not that bad, but for the bit. Sure. Um, it was mostly filmed there. It's the first film that Fraser, you know, shot of theatrical release aside from Dogfight. Yeah. Um, and it's directed by Robert Mandel. Tell me about Robert Mandel, Jeff. Um, I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my point. <laughs> yeah, he he um doesn't really exist. I mean, he exists, but like in the exact same way that uh, a bunch of other TV movie directors sort yeah, of exist. He did a, he does a lot of episodes of TV. He's still working in TV. Yeah, he did um movies. He's directed. He did Independence Day, but not the one you're thinking of. Um, <laughs> FX, Touch and Go, Big Shots, School Ties, and then The Substitute. He did uh, the Rage Carry Two. He did not. He that's what I was gonna bring up. He started directing the Rage Carry Two. Oh my God! Are which you was kidding? At that me? time called Carry Two. Say you're sorry. Are you Are you kidding me? But he was fired due to creative differences. Oh and my! And Cat She took over for oh the Rage Carry Two. Oh my God! And then he ha- the last thing he did was that in movies. He only worked in TV after. Bro, imagine getting fired from Carry Two over creative differences imagine that yeah a movie in which i think the only returning character for carrie Two is amy irving as snoot as sue snell like the third most relevant character in carrie <laughs> oh my gosh i mean i carry everyone dies except for her so i suppose but you know but yeah uh, so this guy's mostly known for tv tv series and he did he has a couple movies under his belt but like i mean like what's it's hard because you look at school ties on paper and pre-production and like there's not a lot of chances you want to take with this movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a fairly straightforward movie. And I think the biggest problem with this movie that I have is that's very by the books. Yeah. And I think it kind of wastes a lot of time. But when you say, when you look at it on paper, it all made sense to me when I looked at this on paper. Yeah. Do you know who wrote this movie? Who wrote this movie? Dick Wolf. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dick Wolf wrote this movie. Right. 
uh, our corporate business zaddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 yeah. pa- hey, Papa! We loved your movie. Um, you can turn off the episode. Now. <laughs> All right, now that now that I said that, yeah. But no, it made a lot of sense to me when I w- saw that Dick Wolf had written this. Yeah, because it kind of plays like a Dick Wolf plot, and that there's a lot of time wasted at the beginning. Yeah. And then when it gets to the meat of the story, which is like the legal aspect of this, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm really locked in. Yeah. And then it just kind of ends. Shortly. Yeah. After. Right. And so to me, like when I saw Dick Wolf, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a Dick Wolf story. That's how they go. Well, and also I think Dick Wolf did write this. um, This is another one of those, like, I'm not, I can't like follow this up with additional sources, but like. Dick Wolf said he wrote this because he had very a lot of personal experience with this movie yeah. as well. That Dick Wolf also suffered from um, anti-Semitism yeah. and uh, things of that sort. So I think, you know, I, I felt like it was written from like a that sort of personal standpoint, but I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, Dick Wolf wrote this. A no-name director directed this. And yes. Dick Wolf, m- mind you still very early and young in his yes. career. This is not Dick Wolf, the Dick Wolf we know today with like all of like the law and order. This is beef stuff. This is, um, it's before the first law and order episode. I'm pretty sure. Isn't it? Yeah, it? This would be like a year after the first episode of law and order. So like still very young and early. In I his would career. bet he's had the, he had the script for a while. Yeah. And then after law and order kind of popped off in the first season, they're yeah. like, Oh, he wrote a movie. Let's make that. Yeah. That's how I would guess that this happened. I don't know for sure. But that all being said, like this movie on paper, it just, it doesn't sound like something you want to take a lot of chances on. Yes. From a producer executive standpoint. Yeah. Like this is a movie. It's Dead Poet Society light. It's like, it's in the same. Yeah. It kind of is. Like it's it's clearly just a riff on Dead Poet Society. Yeah. And, but with probably a little bit of a smaller budget. Yes. This was shot for a budget of 18 million. Whereas Dead Poet Society, which was shot. Let me find out. Three years earlier, 1989. So, yeah, Dead Poets Society would have been shot three. Oh, this actually had a bigger budget than Dead Poets Society. No shit. Dead Poets Society was 16.4. No shit. Which, I wonder where that money went. <laughs> well, like... Did it, did Dick Wolf just take a large chunk? It clearly didn't go into the actors. Yeah, because uh, none of them are big names at this time. And didn't it, go into the director. Didn't go to the director. Robin Williams was a big name. Right. Dead Poets Society. So, yeah. Like, maybe it all went to Maurice Jar for the score. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maurice Jar for the score, who also scored Dead Poets yeah, Society. Yeah, they're, 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 like, very much calling their hand with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But he he also did the best score ever, um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Which must be respected. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know, man. I don't know where that money goes. I don't know where that money <laughs> this goes. This movie's entirely set at one location. Yeah, nothing really happens. I could have made this movie for less than $18 million. Yeah. Maybe after Encino Man, Fraser was able to renegotiate getting money for that? I don't know. It was shot before Encino Man. I know. It's, it's, it's very strange. It's very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway. So that's that's more or less the context of it is that Robert Mandel directed it, Dick Wolf wrote it, and he yeah. made it for $18 million. Yeah. Fraser was very... Um, 
happy with this movie, happy with his performance in it. Yeah. And he put a lot into the promotion of it. There's a lot of interview materials about this movie. Like, he yes. still has a lot of fun times talking about this movie. And I think it was a movie that mattered a lot to him, which... And I'm sure it was upsetting when it didn't quite do what he was hoping. Right. And that's kind of where I sort of... We talked a little bit before we started recording, but, like, where I wanted to sort of call this a little bit of, like, John Travolta's, like, blowout. Yeah. So, but I don't know, because, like, this movie just wasn't seen. Yes. I just want that it was seen and it did poorly. I mean, I I don't think we get to Fraser's blowout equipment for quite a while. Yeah. I think, because Fraser doesn't really have a down period until the mid-2000s. Yeah, say. right. I, I would agree with that. Something probably along the lines of, like, Inkheart, maybe? Maybe. G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Maybe, I don't know. G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra is a movie. Uh, Fairly Odd Parents Wishology. Um, Who does he play in that? Turbo Thunder. Oh, God. We will be talking about Fairly Odd Parents on the show, friends. It originally was not on this list, and then I realized it is technically a TV movie. Fucking hell. <laughs> so we will be talking about the Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, do you have anything more in context, Jeff? I do not. I'm, I'm ready to dive into the sucker. All right. So we begin on Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's a very dreary day in the movie. 19... It was a very dreary day here this morning. So I was like, oh, yeah, matches. It feels like a good movie for this. It's also very humid outside. Yes, it's hot. Yeah. Um, as my Red Bull can is sweating on your <laughs> table. Uh, <laughs> um, but we start with a dreary Scranton, Pennsylvania. This takes place in the 1950s. Another Dead Poet Society similarity yes. that it's also in the 1950s. Um, we start on this diner. Yes. Where, um, a Brent, bunch of, bunch of jamokes. Yeah, what would you call these guys? Because at first I was like, oh, they're greasers. And then actual greasers show up. So I was like, I don't know what to call these guys. Well, I think they're like, just like public high schoolers. Jocks. Yeah. I think they're like jocks. They're jocks. Okay. Yeah. I think that, they're, they're jock because the classic fight jocks and greasers. Yes. They're the jocks. The, it's the Indiana Jones, Keenum of the crystal skull, yes. Shia LaBeouf, throw oh, this a, chair at a guy. Scene. And then, oh my God. And you get the Letterman jackets versus mm. the leather jackets. Oh yeah. Best detail of that scene is that if you watch just Spielberg's blocking of him in the background, Harrison Ford takes the hat off and puts it on a random jock. So the Russians are trying to follow the jock. Anyway. Yeah. It's brilliant. What a movie. What a movie. Um, I like Crystal Skull, but we shan't be talking about this <laughs> because we need to stay on topic. Yes. Um, um, we shan't. <laughs> we shan't. Uh, yes. So there's a bunch of jocks and they're hanging out in the diner. Brendan Fraser is there. Yes. They're all smoking. Yeah. Um, which I l- was curious. So I looked up and 45% of the U.S. population smoked at this time. Oh, of course. Which like we all know this. Smoking but, like, was healthy back in when the When you 50s. see the percentages, you're like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. Smoking was healthy back yes, then. Yes, they're like, yeah, it clears out your lungs. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and then some greasers show up. Yes. Four greasers on bikes. Right. And I think we get some exposition where like they're talking like, oh, so you're going to a private boarding school. You, you yeah. better, you're better than all of us. And then he throws out an anti-Semitic. Yeah. Like. Uh, the, slur. He says some, an anti-Semitic slur to Fraser. Yeah. Who's like the king jock, essentially. Yeah, basically. Everyone loves him. Because he's a star quarterback. He's a star quarterback. Yeah. And so he starts fighting with the guy, the greaser. Immediately gets masculine and just starts yeah. beating the shit. Very defensive. And then the diner's like, no, 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 don't fight in here. Take it to the alley. Because <laughs> they're fine with fights in the alley. And then it turns into like a little skip, 
uh, Lou Lou skip to my do song as they all like walk to the alley yeah. like do do skip yeah, to my do yeah. and then as they're taking off their jackets and then they get to the alley There's and like then fifty kids back to battle scene yes. <laughs> music and then they start fighting um and uh what's that Travolta Fraser um pretty much kicks his ass yes but he he gets a few licks in himself and yeah he gets a major. Bite yeah. in the eye. A little scar. A little scar on the eye. Yeah. Or a bruise, I should say. Um And so he wins the fight and he and he walks off. And everyone's yeah. like, Yeah. Uh he goes and he picks up his dad at work. Yeah. Um, because this is the day he's leaving from right. boarding school. And so his dad sees the bruise right away and immediately gives him the whole like with great power comes great yeah. responsibility. Like the whole speech of like, you know, you you know, they're gonna look at you at this boarding school and think you're a chump. And he's like, well, I am a chump. Like, I'm getting here on, like, a free ride scholarship for football. Like, yeah. that's all that they want me here for. And he's like, what am I supposed to do if they call me a, a slur? Right. Just, what am I supposed to do? Just walk away. And that's like, absolutely. That's what you do. You walk away. Yeah. How does that work out for him? Not very well. Not very well. Uh, he see, proceeds to not do that. Which is kind of laying down the blocks of what this movie should yes. and is somewhat trying to be yes. about. I say those words very, very carefully because it is the one aspect where I do feel like this movie sort of falters a little bit. Yeah, because uh, the thing is, like, you know, after talking with his dad, he go he gets in the train and goes. Yeah. Or the bus. And then the movie kind of drops. Like, to me, the thing is, the next 45 minutes of the movie, there's next to nothing to do with his, like, Jewish, like... Yeah, there's... Like him, there's only like one little scene. There's like one we'll... scene, and it's not played importantly. It's like, oh, it's like it basically. It's like there are no consequences after that scene. Now, as yeah. you think about it, we're talking about the church scene after the yeah. football game. Because there's like the church scene is kind of like uh, the movie checking in on him still being Jewish. So, like, still Jewish? <laughs> and then like he's like, yeah. Then all like, being okay, said, okay. the scene on its surface level is it's a good, good. It's scene. It's a good scene. Like, very well performed by both actors. Yeah. I just think that this but movie... You're absolutely right, though. <laughs> yeah, like, this movie just checks in. It's like, you're still Jewish? And he's like, yeah. Because, <laughs> um, like, the next 45 minutes, it, like, there's occasionally a part where one of the other kids will use a slur. Yeah. And Fraser will just give him a look. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's not portrayed, like, in this way where, like, all these things are building up on him and he's going to blow at some point. No. Because it's a specific act that gets him going at the end. I do like the movie's way of switching gears back to that, though. Yes. Because then once you get back to that uh, struggling with this Jewish identity segment of Mm -hmm. the movie, it does pick... I think it's kind of what you said about the Dick Wolf thing. It does, once again, pick up speed. Yes. And becomes a lot more interesting. And that's, like, inherently the problem I have with this movie is that this, that should have come much sooner. Because yeah. the next 45 minutes, we can almost, like, talk about them quickly. <laughs> because there's not... Yeah. Like, it's just a lot of classroom scenes. There's some fun bits in there. There's some interesting, like, plot developments uh, that don't really have much relation to the main story. There's a lot of really good empty scenes. Yeah. I like the idea this movie's trying to get at that when they don't know he's Jewish, they treat him normally. Yeah. But we didn't need forty five minutes. Sixty percent of the movie yeah. to be this. Like it should have been more like thirty percent of the movie is seeing this, and then we start dealing with the repercussions. Yeah. Because it could have been there was a lot of potential for this movie yeah. to go. Because I would say the inciting incident of this movie happens an hour in. 
Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, so just to really quickly get through that, um, so he gets picked up by his coach. Yes. Who sees he has like that a bruise, bruise and he they he takes him to that campus and and he, and he basically tells him don't be Jewish. Basically, so we, we get told right away the coach knows he's Jewish. Yes. Uh and the coach knows he's there because he's on like scholarship because he's a great football player. And um, it's a classic fish out of water scene because Fraser sees all these yeah. rich kids, at this like public you know, or this private like boarding school yeah. campus. And um, with a big church in the center, big of it. church in the center. of Yes. It. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. So then he checks into his room. His roommate is um, uh, it's, it's, Chris it's, O'Donnell. It's Chris O'Donnell Chris right? O'Donnell's his roommate. Um, who introduces himself, and we immediately get introduced to the rest of the gang. Do they have a gang name? Like, are they the monkeys or something like that? Um, no. What's they're... monkeys involved? There's monkeys involved with their gang. Are there? Because they do like the monkey like chant like wah when they do like a prank or some shit. Do you remember this bit? I do not. I just watched this movie an hour. We'll talk about like a quick scene where like yeah. they do something to their French teacher and then yes. their reaction. To a the scene that is inexplicable and i want to know how the fuck that's accomplished i, but, I don't know either because it does not make sense it sounds like a classic high school prank but you think any more than two percent into the prank and how it was done it's like wait a minute guys. how did this happen how did like, this happen yeah, fucking shrink ray technology just tore down the car and yeah. rebuilt it in the room <laughs> okay, like, we'll, we'll, talk, we will we'll talk, talk more about it, about it. but um, um but then we they get quickly introduced to the rest of the guys and which, like half of them are the prefix Yes. They're like the, the school tribunal. These are the people in uh, Hogwarts and Harry Potter that be like, move aside. I am head boy. Yeah. Like, they're those guys. <laughs> yeah, one of them actually looks like Tom Riddle. A little bit. kind of looks like Tom Riddle. <laughs> a little bit. So um, like, you're talking about the tall like, guy with black hair, yeah, right? Like at the end of the Chamber movie. Chamber of Secrets Tom Riddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, we get quickly introduced to Matt Damon. Yes. The group is Matt Damon, Chris O'Donnell, uh, Tom Riddle. And then Mac, who's the the like who's nerdy Mac? kid who dresses up like the shadow a lot. Is he a, he's a nerdy kid because he has glasses? Uh, no, he doesn't have glasses. He's the one dressed up like the shadow all the time. He's the one who has the mental break halfway through the movie. Right, 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 right. The only actor to not have a Wikipedia page in this movie. Well, the, it, really? Yeah, interesting. Because I thought he, I was like, I recognize this guy, and then I did not recognize this guy. Um, I recognize someone who looks like this guy. Kind of looks like Anthony Michael Hall. I gotcha. That's where my confusion came from. Um, Rip Van Kelt. Yes, is the guy who is the Tom Riddle life guy. I can tell you when I because I did not know his name in this movie. And there's one part where they're like signing honor codes, and he types, he writes Rip Van, and I'm like, Oh no! <laughs> he did not name this poor guy Rip Van Winkle, <laughs> and, then writes, and then he writes Kelt. And I'm like, Kelt. Okay, instead it's one letter off from Rip Van Pelt, yeah. which is the hunter in the first Jumanji movie. Is it really? I think it's it's something Van Pelt. That's good. Yeah. So this guy's Rip Van yeah. Kelt. Uh, but yeah, then there's Mac McGivern. Yes. Um, Matt Damon is Charlie Dillon. And yeah. O'Donnell is Chris Reese, who is Fraser's roommate. There's a guy named... Fraser's playing a character named yeah. David Green. I don't think we said his name. There's a guy named Jack Connors, played by Cole Hauser. Yes. Ben Affleck plays Chesty Smith, who's not really a part of their gang, admittedly enough. He, like, pops into he the... He pops in and out. That's Ben Affleck, who plays Chesty. Uh, Richard Magoo Collins, whose only role in this movie is to become racist when the time calls yes. for it. Yes. <laughs> 
That's pretty much his only role in this movie. They, they, I think they might have put out a cast and said, uh, looking for dweeb, and I think he showed up. Pretty much, yeah. Um, we'll talk more about the other roles, uh, like Mr. Girash and I'm, 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 the headmaster Cleary. Yes, we want. We got to talk about Mr. Cleary, the, act, the actor who Cleary. plays plays him. You know the actor who plays Mr. Cleary. Um, I am aware of him. Z- Zelko Zel Zelshko uh, Ivanic. Yeah, the um, the French teacher. Mm-hmm. What 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 I. What would I know him? From? It just oh, you would know him from like three billboards. Yeah, uh, I see a lot of. I'm looking at this thing. There's a lot of things he's been in. I just don't seven remember Seven Psychos, him Hannibal. I remember him, but only because like he literally is like, like just a a face third tier supporting actor in he's a, in lot, a of lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, there was like one performance I remember him very much from that I really liked, but I can't remember what the that movie was. Um, I'll think about it later. Anyway. Oh, uh, he's in a civil action. Oh, shit. You know what it is? Is it a civil action? No, it's not a civil action. It's House, the TV show Oh, with Hugh Laurie because he plays. This is the French teacher, guys. The French teacher, Zeltko Ivanek, plays a patient in House who comes in with a gun, takes hostages, and forces House to diagnose him because no doctor's been able to diagnose him. It's yes. actually a pretty good episode. Interesting. Yeah. Highly recommend it. He's um in a civil action a movie we've covered on this podcast. He's one of I Travolta's. Remember him he's one of Travolta's so like team of lawyers. Okay. Uh so anyway, uh we're we're yes. obviously skipping a little ahead there. So but anyway, yeah, he meets the gang and all those folks. And he immediately kinda gets brought into it. And we get the first few like intro sneak peeks and like the culture of this place yeah. where that's obviously full of anti-Semitic yeah. things. Now sidebar, obviously like with the 1950s, like it's definitely believable that like there's like the culture is still very, yeah. for the most part, anti-Semitic. That being said, like I just, I would really love like a history professor to like fill me in on like the, the growth and evolution of like how anti-Semitism changed pre World War II and mm-hmm. post World War II, because this was post World War II, yeah, post the Holocaust, post audience pub the public finding out what happened, yeah, in the in the Holocaust. I mean, I'm sure there's still like we're still dealing with anti-Semitism in our government today. Sure, of course, but I think I know which scene you're like referring to, maybe being a little strange. Is it the flag scene? The flag. Yeah, because that that does feel straight strange. Yeah, it feels very out of pocket. Yes, because do you get kind of where my thought thread is going with that, Jeff? Yes. Like the yes, we should. We'll talk about it when we get yeah there. when we get to that scene. Um. So anyway, yeah. The, the, immediately we get the idea that Fraser is want, walking through like a minefield of anti-Semitism. And so, you know, he keeps it under wraps. He doesn't join in on it, but obviously it's very, you know, bothering to him. Um, then we get like, I, this is where, you know, you said in the movie, we could really talk quickly through all this. You know, we get some football content where they're practicing football and Fraser's their quarterback. And there's a few football game scenes where they're playing the games and they win every game in the football yes. scenes that we see. Mostly because Fraser is like the best quarterback yeah, of all time. He's like, like Superman. 
Yeah, <laughs> he's, great. he's Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the game plan. Yes. Like, <laughs> do you like that? Yes. <laughs> he he is uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Gridiron Gang. He is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> yeah. There's so he's, many other movies I can name. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just um he's a great quarterback, and I think like another problem with this movie that is maybe what they're trying to do mm-hmm. is there's really no faults with Fraser. His no. character's kind of just a perfect guy. Well, it, that was sort of the thread that I wanted to talk about towards the end of the movie, which yeah. was like they laid down that foundation with the scene with his dad in his car being like, you should just walk the other way yeah. where Fra- Bra- Fraser has to like face this, you know, constant, yeah. you know, bombardment of anti-Semitism, and he's like, full of this like masculine rage. Yeah. Like clearly the idea of this movie is that he's just a normal person. Um and then when they learn he's a Jew, like they turn against him in spite of him just being normal. Right. But they almost make him too normal. Like there's real, like he doesn't really have many problems in this movie. Like they don't give him any real faults. Yes. Like and if aside from being angry that people hate that he's Jewish, which I would consider is a very justified fault. Yeah, it almost could be made sense of to say it's like maybe he's overtly masculine yeah. about his like defenses with being yeah. called like a Jew. Um, cause there is that always like that mindset of like, you know, we, we, we don't stoop down to their level. Mm-hmm. There's always that lesson in movies yes. you could like ascertain too. Yes. And does the movie fi- cross that finish line at the end? Debatable. Yeah. Very debatable. So, um, so yeah, we get a few football games where he's like, you know, scoring the team their wins they attend a mass at the church in the center of the campus yeah this we're introduced the principal who like only appears three times in the movie this is that scene in dead poet society where the headmaster stands up on that a pulpit in the church and is like full of the four pillars like honor loyalty discipline respect it's basically the exact same scene yeah it's the same scene and then the headmaster has two other scenes in the rest of the movie yeah i was expecting to be much more of a presence right um but he's like he's immediately like a um, a draconian principal. He's like, we have standards, obey them or die. And yeah, it's like, oh my god, essentially. And then all the guys go back to their room. And they have a party. They're dancing to a sm- song, Smokey Joe's Cafe, that kind of bopped, kind of bopped. I kind of whipped to that song. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's we get introduced to Mister Cleary. Yes. Mr. The like, French teacher. The French teacher. Who was also staying at this dorm. Who is apparently playing Voldemort in this movie. <laughs> 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 like, like, I have never seen... Like, if this movie, like, on a scale of, like, I would say, like, hamminess. Like, this isn't a particularly hammy over-the-top movie. Right. It's trying to be pretty naturalistic. Yeah. This fucking guy walks in, and he's like, oh, I see. You're dancing to... The young people music, music. <laughs> the black music. I shall say, it must be obliterated. Like he's real. Like he's in a fucking stratosphere. Yeah, with this reform, bathing in it. I think he's funny. I yeah. don't. I don't. Hundred percent think it was the wrong choice. I mean, but it is most certainly a. Does choice. it make the mental breakdown scene a little bit more believable? And I think it would have made it like. That scene, I think he's fine in that he's just kind of mean to the student. Yeah. But like the rest of his performance, he's like, he's the hoidiest, hoidiest motherfucker I've ever seen. You all signed the honor code class. He like walks around with like a beret and like a walking stick that he's kicking and whipping in the air all the time. 
Yeah, he's a little. He's, he's a little much. A little there's hammy. a few too many bits there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the general grievous thing, <laughs> where there's a few too many bits involved. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but he tells them to be quiet, and they make a few monkey jokes at him, and he yeah. does that like standard where he turns back. Yeah. And then he starts walking away. Turns back. Yeah. And then starts walking. Because he says, we can't have a jungle here. Yes, really can't have a jungle. That's clear probably because where it all Because works. they're like listening to African-American music. Yeah. And it, that's clearly just an, an outward sign of bigotry. You know, this This all being said, folks, just to make it very clear, not a single black person to be seen in yes. this entire movie. I want to say, clearly leaves, closes the door. And did you notice what Fraser did next? What? He's calling a shot because he does the George of the Jungle yell. No they close shit. the door and he goes, oh, I mean, it's the Tarzan yell, but yeah, same thing. So he established the George of the Jungle yell. Yeah. He's yeah. establishing it right here. Right. Um, and then they, um, they just kind of go through a bunch of classes. The two classes we see are French and history. Apparently they don't go to any, any other classes. We never see math or science or anything. No. It's only French in history. I want to talk about one scene that happened in the history class. Because yeah. there's a scene where they're talking about the cheating thing. Yes. And he said, and they're like, you have to find the person who cheat. And they're like, today is Saturday. Your next class is Tuesday. You must figure out who. And I'm like, hold the phone. Hold it. <laughs> they have classes on Saturdays? Yes. The fuck? I'm, I'm guessing because it's a boarding school, you can kind of have classes any day of the week. I'm guessing it's like the college system. It's fucked up. Where, like, I had Saturday classes sometimes. Did you? Not, but it would be, like, by my own choice. It wasn't, like, the only option. It'd be, like, all right, I'll do classes from Wednesday to Saturday. And I'll take Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off. Fascinating. Okay. It's interesting. But So I'm assuming it's something similar to that. Yeah. Where, like, this section of history is only on Saturday, but maybe they have, like, Tuesday off or something. Right, right. My my perfect scheduling setup that I ever had in college was like I had classes on Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. But I did like twelve hours of classes in those two days. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't have classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was great. I had a class schedule where it was uh Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. That's pretty nice. That was it. And that's nice. My earliest class was noon. Mm. Here's a kicker though. Uh Wednesdays and Thursdays, I had a class that went from six to nine. Whoa. And I got to I got to tell you like if any, we have any high schoolers who are scheduling their college classes right now, morning classes like the the alumni aren't lying to you kids. Morning classes are better yeah. than super late classes. Yes. I know what you're thinking now. It's like, "Oh, this is great. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to schedule all like late classes so I can sleep in, yeah. and stay up late." Like, guys, I'm here to tell you not the move. Yeah. Like cuz there's nothing worse than you've been in class since noon. And you get to your class at six or five fifty, and you don't get out till like nine p.m. And yeah. the teacher never lets you out early. It is awful. Brutal. It's awful. Like just do like the eight or nine a.m.s. Yeah, and then you're like out of all your classes by, by like two, two. Yeah, and you have the whole night to yourself. Exactly. I I think that's the better way yeah. to do it. But who do I know? Is this episode making me oddly nostalgic for college? Me too. A little bit. A little bit. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Still, I'm feeling, feeling, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, I think, I, Jeff, the, the next thing I really think I want to get to is the football game and the f- right afterwards, the church scene. But is there anything in between that I'm missing? I think that's about it. Okay. So then they, he gets a call from his dad. Yeah. That's what starts this off. Okay. Oh, do you want me to do it? 
Yeah. He gets a call from his dad um, who's like, hey, son, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I have a football game. And he's like, on Saturday. And he's like, well, it's Rosh Hashanah, so make sure you make it to the temple. Totally missed this scene. I totally uh, missed that that scene. And he's like, well, I... He's like, well, it's a big game. And his dad's like, you know, there's a lot of football games, but there's only one Rosh Hashanah. Something along those lines. It's not true. There are many Rosh Hashanahs. <laughs> um, it was something along those lines. Yeah. Like, fate, like I think he says that thousands of years of tradition um, versus, like, a yeah. season of a football game. So he's going to have a thousand more years of tradition of Rosh Hashanah <laughs> is what it sounds uh, like. Um, and so Fraser like, kind of has this conflict between his faith and his school. And he goes to the football game. Yeah. And they win. I guess I'm glad I forgot about that scene. Because to me, it just, it to me, it mentally only cut to the football game. Yeah. And I didn't know about the Rosh Hashanah yeah. thing. They win the football game. This isn't the scene where he uses Matt, uh, Matt no. Damon to block yet. No. We're not there yet. But he, like, Which wins them. Which is kind of just a baller move. I would do that to <laughs> Matt Damon if I could. Oh, uh, absolutely. No, dis- no disrespect. Um. But he wins them the game, and it's a big celebration. And then we cut to a church. Yeah. And Brennan, the headmaster sees a light on in the church. Yes. And he's just walking around. He's like, hmm. Hmm. So he goes over and he opens the door, and Brendan Fraser is there. Yeah. And praying with a yarmulke on. Yeah. Um, with his Torah open. Yeah. Praying and um, reciting the hymns. Is right? it is the correct like name of the like language Hasidic or like Jewish or? Um, let me. Confirm this. I believe it's Hebrew. Hebrew. Fuck. Yeah, it's um, pro- I think that's what it is. I think it's Hebrew. He is speaking in I can actually the exact verses are on this like Wikipedia page. Fascinating. Um but I now cannot I, I, find I, it. I think you're right though. He's praying something in Hebrew yeah, with a yarmulke on. And um the headmaster walks in and sees it and he's like they have a good dialogue scene here. Yes. Now, this is the scene we talked about earlier in the podcast, though, that what happens with this scene? The headmaster's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I, I missed Rosh Hashanah. Or it's Rosh Hashanah. He's like, well, I'm, I'm aware of Rosh Hashanah, but to my understanding, you're in your faith, Rosh Hashanah ends at sunset. Right. And Fraser's just like, well... I had to go to the game. I had to go to the game. And the headmaster asks... Was skipping the tradition worth a football game? And Fraser looks at him and says, which tradition? It's like, that's a good scene. It's a good line. Is this tradition, like, the football, like, what's to this, like, very Christian-based white school? Yeah. uh, Football is a tradition. Yeah. And to him, his Jewish faith, Rosh Hashanah is a tradition. Exactly. And it's a really good scene. It's It's a a good setup. And the movie does nothing with it. That's the end of the scene. Yeah, I know. And it's... yeah. It's, he never has to like even talk to his dad about how he skipped Rush Hunter for a football game. Right. He doesn't like at the end of the movie when he's listing off the things that like he had to sacrifice, he's never like, I miss Rush Hashanah. It's like the headmaster doesn't do anything with the information. Yeah, it's a like it's a good scene in a vacuum. Yeah. Which is what a lot of this movie is. It's good scenes in vacuums that yeah. don't come together for a whole. Right. It's like maybe two script script drafts away from getting there. Yeah. Because this scene was really good, and but yeah. and it was had the perfect thing like setups. Yeah. Like this, what scene was a perfect setup to something that wasn't yes. in the movie. But it's just it's it's that's it's unfortunate. Mm. You know, you give them two more drafts, and you probably could have put something in there. Yes, 
But yeah, it was a good scene. The witch tradition. Ugh, it's a good line. I would say, like, honestly, after this scene is when the turn should happen in the movie. Yeah. Like, and it I doesn't. Feel, and it doesn't. I feel like this is kind of like a great prelude to getting into the meat of the movie. Mm-hmm. But instead, we have like 20, 30 more minutes of wheel turning. Yeah. Which is when he, um, like, there's this whole business with Mac having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Which doesn't feel like there's any point to have it in the movie. Because it's, it's it goes again to like the the very thin thin through line of Fraser having to deal with his masculinity. Yes, because that's the scene where he threatens McCleary. Yeah, or Cleary. Yeah, but like the decision they had to make was: is this a movie about a guy having dealing with adversity because he's Jewish in like a white ecosystem, or is this a movie about a guy going through high school? Right. Because this is all stuff that's like, this is Dead Poet Society 101 right here. Yeah. Like with, um you know, this kid having a breakdown with, um what's his name? have uh, Todd Anderson. Todd Anderson committing suicide. Yeah. Um, it's this, it's one and the same idea, but there's no cohesion in this movie between those two. Yeah. Um, if anything, this sequence should basically be Fraser having to deal with like being British. Uh, ridicule, but ridiculed by a teacher for being Jewish. Yeah, he should be the one facing the abuse in this point. Yeah, not Mac having to like deal with the expectations of going to the school. Yeah. Um, but you know, Mac, this kid gets yelled. He fails his translation yeah. assignment. Yeah, this is where this is the French class, which is also taught by Cleary, Cleary Mr. Cleary, yes. Vol- the Vol- Mr. Voldemort, Mr. Voldemort, Mr. Cleary. Tom Riddle. Uh, and they have like an exam that they're doing, and Mac is up in the front of the class, like presiding, reciting a uh, French saying. Yeah, I, I don't know what it, what they're. It's a poem or a reading, yeah. whatever it might be. Uh, but Cleary is like doing the dickish thing of like correcting him yeah. during the thing and being rude and it's like s'il vous plaît ha 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 it's like no it's bon joui bon joui yeah he actually at one point like puts a beret on pulls out a long cigarette holder and starts eating a baguette <laughs> it's very strange i thought it was a little i thought it was a little odd that he put that detail in there but oh man he throws the snail at him yeah, he like, he's like s'il vous plaît ha ha it's it's Maybe a, a little much Robert uh, Mandel. None of this happens in the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Mac does freak out and he runs out of the classroom. Yes. And they can't find him. And they can't find him. And they find him in the math classroom or in the French classroom later. Yeah. I think Ben Affleck's the one who notices him. His one contribution to the plot. Maybe was it Ben Affleck who found found him? He's like, oh, I was trying to do a What Boston. was that? Um, <laughs> what was that? I started trying to do a Boston accent and immediately went Canadian. So I cut, I cut it off. <laughs> um, All I heard was the, oh, gee. Uh. <laughs> awesome. He's like, hey, let me tell you something. That's, that's New York. I can't. I just stop. I can only do a JFK, which isn't even that good. Um, yeah, no, you just stick to your Bo Clinton. Yeah. Oh. That wasn't an invitation. 
That was not an invitation. I didn't do it. Okay. You were about to. I was thinking about it. Okay, but they like, find him in the French class. In the French classroom, like and he's in fetal like, position, like hyper- muttering in French. Yeah, hyperventilating all that stuff. Well, this is clearly because clearly cast a hex upon him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, the Imperius curse. He's just like, he's just like some, under the Cruciatus curse. He's in there like evil blast, evil blast. Um, he walked in with like a bucket. Don't know why. Maybe they thought he was gonna throw up. He's wearing like Mr. Cleary is a doofus on the board or something like that. Uh, the, the ambulance rushes Mac out. Well, like we, there was like a a small little moment that I did kind of like, yeah. which was Fraser crouching up right next to him and like kind of helping him yeah. through, like to, just to help him calm down yeah. a little bit. It's another one of those scenes that's great in a vacuum. Yeah, and then I'm just like, okay, well, we can still appreciate yeah. those great scenes in yeah. a vacuum because I think that this is a great example of how good. Fraser is even under such a he's a very thin, empathetic actor yeah you, yes exactly and he does such a great job with that even in the presence of a thin script and poor yes. direction because yes. I don't believe that he was doing any of like the director's stuff yeah just personally maybe this guy's a great director yeah. I don't know I mean just based on like what he's, he's done just, he, they're all giving performances yeah same with Matt Damon. He feels like he's giving the exact same goodwill hunting performance. Yes. Personally. Matt Damon is very good in this movie. Yes. Matt Damon, like I wrote in my notes, he, he's a movie star, baby. Um, yeah. I would like to note quickly that Robert Mandel, the director of this movie, the top line of his Wikipedia page is says, he is best known for school ties, which launched the careers of Brennan Fraser, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Cole Hauser, and Chris O'Donnell. So this man's most no, like notable thing is that he launched made a movie. The career. Where a lot of people launch the career. It's their first. It's a lot of their first movie. So well, it's okay. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Launch the career. Um. Yeah, but they get him out on a stretcher. He's in the hospital, and Fraser sees Cleary and immediately like rushes him, and he's like, "I'll kick your ass, Cleary." It's <laughs> like you did this. You did this. This is your fault. And they're like, yeah. "Yo, yo, like don't do that. That's a quick way to get expelled." And he's like, "Too bad. I gotta stand up for my morals." And then he doesn't. But. Again, it's like a yeah. thin thing where, like, is this movie about him struggling with his masculinity? Yeah. Or, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it, it, it is just kind of, like, empty. Yeah. It's very empty. Um, they have a scene at the dock with Damon and Fraser, which is a good scene. Yeah. Again, in a vacuum. They kind of talk about, like, how Damon has to deal with these expectations of his family. Yes. Roger Eber, I listened to a review that Roger e- the Roger Eber and yes. um, Gene Siskel. Jane Siskel were giving, and Roger Eber said something like, especially uh, int- something that I never even thought about, which is like Matt Damon's character isn't even struggling with, you know, the high. It's not that like the pre- like all eyes are on him. Yeah. It's that all the expectations are on him because he's the fifth copy. Yeah. Of his family member who's yeah. gone through, so he's dealing with like. Essentially, he's he's already not the quarterback, so yeah. he's already flunking in that realm. He's got to get into Harvard, and he just has all he. And it's not that what he'll do will be impressive. Yeah, it's what he'll do will be the same. Yes, just the exact same of what everyone else has done. He's not even fighting for a spotlight. He's fighting to not be the underling. Yes, if that makes sense. Which I just thought that was something interesting to think about. Roger Ebert's always good at those like micro like like points. Yeah, that he points out like the really specific thing that you're grasping at in the movie. Yeah, you're like I can't put my hand on. And Roger Ebert's great at pointing those out. Yeah, 
So like Matt Damon has like a really good like motivation in this movie. Like yes. I believe most of the things he does. Yes. Because he does turn quite villainous. Yes. At a, at a point. He does go full villain. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, at this what? around this around this time, like Damon's life does start falling apart. Yes. Um, because we get the second last, football game. Name? Uh, Dylan. Charlie Dylan. Charlie, Charlie Dylan. Because we're introduced that he has a childhood friend who he's trying to make his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, whose name? Stacy No Name. Stacy. It's Sally. I, I that was my joke, Jeff. Oh, Stacy No Name. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Sally, who's not really a character. Not a character in this movie at yeah. all. Her job is to bat her eyelashes and be like, oh my God. Yes. She is what every young white teenage girl will do in George of the Jungle. Yes. <laughs> when they see Brendan Fraser with his... Which is what every young white girl did in Encino Man when they saw Brendan Fraser. That too. Um, yes. Listen to our Encino Man episode. Yes. But that's... um, She kind of like... Immediately, like, Damon is kind of convinced they're in a relationship. She does not believe Sean. She falls for Fraser very quickly. Very quickly, like they, they that is they make eye contact across the room and they are already eye fucking. Yes. Uh, Damon offers Fraser to dance with Sally. Yes. They dance for a little bit. Immediately, like fall in love at this like dance. Yes. And they exchange numbers and stuff. And he goes on a date with her at a local diner. Yeah. Which is just a scene. Yeah. I don't remember um, it. Do you remember it? The, I know what happens, but I, I don't remember what they talked about. I remember there's a part where he lights her cigarette and she's like, you don't smoke? And he's like, no, nah, I tried it and didn't take it. And she's like, wow, you're so perfect. There's no faults with you. And I was like, yeah, this is the problem with the movie is that there are no faults with this man. Yeah, exactly. That, thank you, writers, for acknowledging. <laughs> thank you for acknowledging this problem. Yeah. I wish you had taken the time to fix it instead yeah. of just pointing it out. Yeah. It's like in a movie where a character's like, this thing makes no sense. It's when, like, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe instead of writing that line, you could have just made it make sense. It's like when Jean Grey walks out of the Return of the Jedi yeah. screening in Days of Future Past. She's like, everyone knows the third one's always the worst. It's like, and it's, maybe just don't say that. <laughs> maybe just don't do that. Maybe just don't make a bad third movie then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of embarrassing you put that in the movie. Yeah. Now, sometimes those things work out where it's like clearly the filmmaker is very winking with it. Yeah. But when it kind of reads like, you know, it's like, you know, configure this. I'm like, okay, maybe. You know. Well, like, I don't even think the director was aware of that on set. Yeah. That was something that Dick Wolf seemed very aware of, but yes. not the not the yes. director. Uh, um, so that happens now. Matt Damon has lost his girlfriend, um, his this is, position on the football team. Um, what is his position on the football team? Because he's the half back. Or whatever the fuck it's called. Oh yeah, he gets moved to halfback instead yeah. of running back. Well, he was court. He was in line for quarterback, but Fraser gets it. So like he's already, like you said, he's already not in the ideal position. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie. And then there's the football game. Yeah, there's a football game. Uh, did you notice their their numbers? Because no. this was pointed out to me. Oh, Fraser's uh, yeah. Fraser's forty two. Yeah, the Jackie and Robinson Damon number. Is, well, Damon's twenty one, which is half of forty two, because he's half the man that Fraser is. I'm rolling my eyes. I think that's kind of fun. Like those are the like de- those are the really on the nose details that like if I d- I someone pointed this out to me. I yeah. did not notice this. I guess yeah. It's fun. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um in the football game they're losing having a hard time but then yes. Fraser well they're losing because Fraser Oh, right. Is helping Damon out. Because Damon like His the coach is called, calling plays 
to like do something to not put Damon yeah. involved. But Damon then talks to Fraser on the field, like you got to pass the ball to me or whatever. Yeah, my like, older brother and my parents are here. I have to show off. Right, exactly. And he tries it once, but like then Damon fails. gets a tackle and fumbles yeah. the ball. Uh, so then he's like, the coach calls the plays now. And then they call a play and then he's like, uh, and Dylan, I need you on that block. And so they run this play and Fraser quite literally shoves Matt Damon in front of him yes. as he's running for the, the end. It's done in slow. It's really just disrespectful to Matt. Damon. <laughs> how they, how they yeah. do it. It's like slow. Yeah. He like shoves Matt Damon in front of him to take a tackle. Yeah. The like song from Titanic starts playing. Oh it's like, yeah, there's nothing to feel. Yeah. As like he's flying into the zone. <laughs> uh, uh, but Fraser gets the touchdown. He wins the game and all the glory is on Fraser. Yes. And then there's a dinner afterwards. Yes. With a bunch of, it's an, like an alumni association dinner. Yeah. Bunch of old white guys. Yeah. Every country club server's nightmare. Yes. <laughs> um, um, also, I am not a follower of football. The score is nine to seven. That's low. That's like low, right? For well, a football game. That's like they each scored a touchdown plus an extra point. Yeah. No, or no, like once one team would have had to score a touchdown, well, not get the extra point, but then get a field goal, which is three points. So they got yes. nine. That's what happens to the Fraser team is they get a field goal for three. Yeah. And then they get a touchdown at the end. Yeah. And like that's low, right? Like football usually has much higher scores. Am I correct? Typically, yeah. Because like they seem really excited about this very low score. <laughs> I guess it's establishing the teams are evenly matched, but evenly matched in like defense, yeah. probably. Like their defenses are really strong. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh. Anyway, so this is the scene when we finally get the conflict of the movie. Yes. We finally, get this to is the, the juice. turning point. Uh, where they're in this dinner. Uh, Fraser's dancing with Sally. Yeah. Fraser's getting on the glory. Damon's kind of angry. Yeah. He's starting to have festering anger. And then he overhears the headmaster and the coach. The headmaster's talking with this, like, the coach is talking with this drunk guy. Yeah. This drunk alumni. Yeah. He's like, and he's good for a Jew. Yeah. And Damon's like, what? He's like, he's a Jew. And the coach and, is like, you really can't keep a secret, can you? Which, like, was the entire alumni aware of that he's a Jewish? Well, and that's they, like, why I thought they made it was a the, secret pact. That's to why keep I thought it, a it was like the headmaster or something. I think it is the headmaster. Maybe it was the headmaster or the coach who spilled it. No, it's an it's definitely an alumni. It's or definitely... he's on the board of trustees or something. But yeah. regardless, like did the entire like ecosystem of the school get together, hold a vote, and decide? All right, guys, we're going to keep this on on the the hush hush. That we're bre- uh, we're giving a Jewish student a yeah. scholarship to come here. Yes. You feel like that that would have just like gotten out sooner. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things of like if Area Fifty One did have aliens in there, it, the amount yeah. of workers who've worked in that plant, one of them would have spilled. Yeah. Same with the moon landing. Yeah, someone did the math about how many people would have been required to keep their mouth shut for the moon lands, like two hundred thousand. Yeah, if we faked it. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure some conspiracy are like, but they have talked. I have proof. <laughs> okay, buddy. Here's wow. your Xanax and yeah. take a chill pill. Buddy, have, go have fun. <laughs> go go get a hobby. You know, D&D is pretty nice this time of year. Yeah, here. it is. Um, I've never played it before, but I'm looking forward to our first campaign. What? Yeah, whoa. Are That's we... right, folks. We're volunteering the Travolting we'll take... Dungeon. No, it's not. <laughs> That's not a thing we're doing. Um, shortly after this, 
is when we is it the shower scene the shower scene where we get a little matt damon booty we do get a little matt damon and we get Fraser, a little matt damon tush. and fraser booty, booty we get a little fraser tush yeah uh, brendan booty for bg13 you know brendan booty um Damon, I can't think of a rhyme. They got the juice. Yeah, they do. They're very wet. Yeah. Very wet. I wrote wet Fraser in my... uh, Yeah. But this is about a later scene. Oh. But they're in the shower and they're talking. I can't remember how it comes up, but Damon spills like, yeah, he's a Jew, didn't you know? It's it's actually... I actually really like how it's kind of brought up because um, he has like a classic like anti-Semitic joke kind of where he's like, so... There's a bunch of people in like a church and uh, oh, yes. or no, the, like in the three priests come to this town. One of them is Christian and preaches the good word Jesus. And the third of them, well, it's the first one's a Catholic. Yeah. And he converts some folks to Catholicism. Second folks, a is Protestant a or Protestant, Protestant Methodist. Yes. And he converts some folks to uh, Protestant. The third guy shows up and says, there's a gold mine in the sky and all the Jews signed for the up for join the, the Air Force. Join the Air Force. It's a classic like Jews yeah. like money yeah. joke. And and he looks right at Fraser. And he looks he right at Fraser. And Fraser kind it. of pieces together what's happening. Yeah. And he's like, so what? And uh, I think Damon calls him like a dirty, you know what? Yeah, it's like this guy hasn't been telling us the truth, and then he lit, spills the beans in front of yeah. everybody. That you spilled your beans. Yeah. Um, that he's a Jew. Yes. Um. There's a fight that breaks out. Yeah. Fraser, who is like six foot, a thousand. Yeah. Matt Damon, who is like a shrimp. <laughs> he stands no chance in hell whatsoever yeah. against the brawly arms and the yeah. masculine legs of Fraser. <gasps> like, it's nice to know that like Fraser is, has the body type where realistically he could win almost every fight. Let's start a question. Yeah. Does he stand a chance against the bangs and nice um uh grease back look of brendan fraser what his hair is this your invitation this is my invitation all right cue the hair Welcome, welcome, welcome to the hair ranking of John yes. Travolta. Of, of, I said John Travolta. Fucking hell, I'm cursed. I'm <laughs> we, cursed. We, we, I feel like uh, it will take us a little bit, but we'll get there. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I need to find a photo. I got it. I got oh, you got it, you got it. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. Okay, great, great, great. I think his hair looks pretty nice in this movie. I think but it does, me. too. I like it. I like it. I like it for the. Mo- I like it. So uh, let's see. Let's see the uh, list. Let's let's uh, let's put it number one. Number let's one. Put it number, number one. one. School ties. Yeah. School ties. Number one. It's very nice hair. We do also have to acknowledge that the reason this movie is called School Ties is because they wear ties, and then that doesn't really play much into the movie. Yeah, that's like a throwaway line. Yeah, because the, the band he's like, you need a school tie. To, to fit. Bum, bum, I, bum, the idea is bum. clearly like they have to wear school ties to fit in. Yeah. Everyone wears a school tie to fit in. Yeah. And he doesn't fit in. Cool. Cool. Probably a better <laughs> name. Uh, um, so, yeah, Brendan Fraser. So, yeah, school ties, number one hair. It's really good hair. It's, you know, preppy school Look boy. at it when he, after he wears the football helmet. Oh, uh, nice. nice. Uh, so, 
Yeah, this is where we're back to Fraser's room, and he's talking to um, his his roommate, uh, Reese. Yeah, O'Donnell. Chris, Chris o- Reese. Chris, Chris O'Donnell. Chris Reese, played by Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. That's confusing. Yes. Um, so he talks to his roommate Chris, and he's like, "How could you not have told us, man?" He's like. You would have treated me differently. I know that it's like, man, if you... This is the thing that really bothers me, is they all make it out to seem like they're mad yeah. at him because they he lied to them. Yes. But he is right. Yeah. He's like, because as soon as he comes out, like it comes out that he's Jewish. They all immediately turn on him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, he's totally justified. Yeah. Like, But yeah, that's what Chris O'Donnell's like thing. It's like, he's like, I'm just mad that you lied, man. And he's like, "Did what are you? And he's like, I'm Methodist. And he's like, did you tell me that? And he's like, no. He's like, then why do I have to tell you that? Why should I have just brought up that I'm Jewish? And he's like, it's different. different. Jews are just different. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And just kind of sits down and walks away. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's a few different things that goes on. Um. Basically, the next few scenes. Oh, we we did skip a scene we had to talk about. The prank. We we skipped the prank, which has no business really being. It in this really movie, has but no it, business because what what are the ramifications for Cleary nothing, after nothing? Nothing for them either. There's no one gets in trouble. So, folks, you remember when we talked about the panic attack that Mac had and how Brendan Fraser is like, we got to get back at him, yeah. and they're like, we will, we will, just not that way. They get back at him by conscripting a bunch of children to dress up like Cleary to distract yeah. him on the pathways of the school yeah while they run to his car pick it up and then put it in his classroom i thought it was his room in his bedroom i thought it was his bedroom yeah i think it's his bedroom but like and they leave it running yeah my question is how do they got that car in there because <laughs> it's like it's it's explicitly set up as like a five minute operation yeah this cl- bedroom has a normal size door there's no like elephant door right and there's windows but like they're like three separate windows. Yeah. Even if the uninstall like took apart the car and then rebuilt it, that's a that's a, that would take time. Yeah. Cars aren't Legos. Right. I don't like. I don't get it. I don't the, get it either, clearly, man. I was, like, I was <laughs> I watching the scene. It either. I was watching the scene. I, I saw the cars going. I'm like, oh, did they put on the roof or something? Like, right. That's ridiculous. Well, at least like you know, somehow they got it out there. And then I'm like, he opens the door and like it's just running in his bedroom. I'm like, and he and his oh. what's his Scream, like, oh, 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 no, no, no. I'm yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, okay. The car um, was a six Horcrux. I'm like, fun? I, 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 don't, know. I don't know. Back to the present. Back um, to the present. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. They, um, you know, there's just a lot of sequences of him dealing with adversity. Um, a few kids hang up on swastika in his classroom yeah swastika flag and this is i think where we were like i feel like shortly after world war ii i don't think even prep school kids would be playing around with yes because that much. i i could be very wrong I, like, you know kids I, are shitheads i want to open this door to a conversation that i'd like our audience to interact with us with and that is like like we all know it's like we we have neo-nazis in the streets yes. now which is a it's a shameful. A, it's a shameful thing to think about. It's like yes. the fact that we fought against. It's the same thing with like Confederacy and all this yeah. stuff. That how do the it keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. Like how does that happen? But that being said, I feel like it was almost like too soon for there to be like Nazi sympathizers after World War Two. Yeah, and like I don't think this movie's trying to say they're Nazi sympathizers, but they use a swastika. 
Because, like, anti-Semitism was definitely rampant in America at this time. It's rampant nationwide. It, Germany was the one yeah. who's like, we're going to do something. Yeah, like, it's clearly, like, still rampant in the 50s. There's right. a lot of evidence of this. Yeah. But I do think that the swastika is an odd move. Because who are the kids in school who are thinking to themselves, you know, maybe the Nazis weren't all wrong. Yeah. Maybe they were 99% wrong, but mm. the 1% that they like, got it's right. It's very impactful for the movie. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, teenage boys are shitheads. Yeah. And I can very much, I can probably list some people I knew in high school who would pull something like this. Yeah. Um, but that, like it's immediate proximity to World War II does make it slightly strange. Yeah. But uh, I'm probably wrong about that, yeah. maybe. But I just think to myself, it's like, I know people who are separated through decades. I think we're just not um, anti-Semitic, and so it's hard for us <laughs> to fathom. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt and say we're not anti-Semites. It's just really hard to imagine that right after the Nuremberg yeah. trials that there were people who were like, maybe the Nazis weren't all, yeah. you know, horrible, horrible yeah. people. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he finds the flag. He merely rips it down. He goes back to his room. Everyone sees it, and he comes back out of his room with a note. Yeah, and he tacks it on the bulletin board in the dorm. And it says, "Whoever wrote, whoever hung the flag, meet me out front, ten thirty p.m." Yeah, and we get the single greatest shot of this movie. Yes, we do. All these kids are, all these boys are like going up to their windows and looking out. We see Damon looking out. Yeah, and we just see Brendan Fraser White. standing in the middle of a thunderstorm, wearing a tank top, wearing nothing pant. but. Like a white tank top and pants standing like this. Brawly style. Brawly style. Arms like, out. And he's just standing there getting pelted with water, dripping wet. Rainy, standing like lightning a fucking storm. statue. This is where that budget went, maybe. Yeah. It's only this shot. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Cowards! Cowards! <laughs> Cowards! I was, I jumped down my seat. I'm like, Yeah! Because, like, yeah, man. I mean, that's what you pay him the big bucks for. Right. Anyway. Uh, anyway. G- great scene. Great scene. So the... Um, um, this is where we get the history yeah. thing. Right? Uh, Damon is... He can't afford to fail history because he needs to go to Harvard. Right. And so he um, he cheats on his history test final, which is 30% of the total grade. And the way he does that is his roommate has a study guide, and he's he goes to bed, and he lays a study guide on his chair... Damon stealthily with a D20 critical role stealth yeah. check goes over and you said this wasn't a D&D yeah. podcast. It is now. Okay. It great. Officially. He rolls a D20 stealth check and yeah. is able to swipe the, uh, the study guide and writes down all the answers onto a small little piece of paper. And he does it, you know, the hand cup yeah. style, you know, everyone who's cheated on tests knows what I'm talking about. The hand cup style where you yeah. write like a, on a very small piece of paper that you can hide on your like palm or wrist that yeah. no one sees. Yes. So. Um, and he succeeds at cheating. Yeah. They all have to write the honor code on the front yeah. of their. Did your school have that? Um, we had to like sign an honor code at the beginning of the year. We have to sign an honor code for every exam. Yeah. yeah. It was a little weird, but anyway. But the um so basically Damon gets away with it, but then on his way out of the classroom, someone bumps into him and he drops the cheat. Well, oh, because we this is a good like establishing. So like as he's cheating, first off, he's cheating very like poorly. He's like yeah. very clearly looking at his hand, and yeah. you can see the little pamphlet he wrote. So first Fraser catches it, yeah, and he doesn't say anything about it, but he just he catches it, and then Rick Van Pelt. Tom Riddle himself, yes. uh, the one of the prefix, looks over and sees it. So there's two witnesses to it. Yeah. 
Uh, then the class ends. They return in their uh, scantrons or whatever. Yeah. And then they are walking out and they're like, oh, whatever, whatever. Dylan's like, oh, you guys are jokesters. And as he gets patted or whatever, he drops. Yeah. The cheat guide. The cheat guide on the ground, on the ground in classroom. And that's when Mr. Garrosh. Garish, I think. Garish comes out and sees the cheat guide, grabs it. And then we cut to the next day in history class where all the students are in there. And he's like, there is a cheater in this room. Yes. It is Saturday. You have until Monday to present yourself or I fail the entire classroom. Yeah. It's good. It's good. That's basically how he said yeah. it. Yeah. And they're like, it's not fair. And he's like, it's not fair that someone cheated. It's like, can't you just make us retake it? It's like, that would mean I have to ignore the honor. And that yes. would be disastrous. That would be disastrous. Yes. Um, I don't know what that voice was. Or why I know what that it. voice was. It's yeah. like, I am probably dead. I am going oh. to put information into it's your It's the fucking Battlefield Earth guy. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite alien. What? It's like, my name is Glib Glob. I am probably I, my dead. My name is Glub Shitto. <laughs> I am an alien. I am probably dead. I serve at the Masters of the Cyclos. Yeah. <laughs> It was the ball! <laughs> no, no, um, no, 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 we can't bring that back. <laughs> we can't relitigate Battlefield Earth on this no, school time episode. <laughs> um, so then they all go back to, they all start discussing the classroom. Yeah. It's like somebody cheated or whatever, and like no one's able to like figure out yeah, who it's and like. like oh, well, it's up to the prefix to figure it out, is what they decide. They'll have like a little council. Yeah, they have like a council with some of the Elf folks. Elrond. Yeah, the council of um, Elrond. Trombine shows up. Meanwhile, in between that, uh, Fraser confronts Damon. And he he's says, like, I saw you cheating. Yeah. He's like, either you go to them or I do. Yeah. And so in the next meeting, they're all together and Damon and Fraser are sitting across from each other. And they're all accusing one guy of it. Yeah, they're who... all thinking it's going to be Reese, I think. It's somebody. Somebody, yeah. Because and... they because they, he was suspected of cheating on a yeah. French test earlier in so the shit movie. Fraser looks at Damon, Damon looks back, and Fraser starts to get up, but then Damon shoots up. Yeah, and he says, guys, guys. I know who cheated. I know who cheated. It was Green! And he points and David at David Green, Fraser, Brendan Fraser. Who's shook, and he's just like, what? what no, it was fuck? you. He's like, what the fuck? It was you. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, he's a Jew. Of course he cheated. Yeah. And so they pulled, have, pulled a real rope-a-dope on him. They have a little vote, and it looks like three of the kids vote for Fraser, mm-hmm. or against, or in support of him. And then the rest of them say that Damon's telling the truth and that Fraser cheated. Yeah. And so they tell Fraser he has to go and turn himself into the headmaster. Yeah. And he's like, fine. I'll do um, a lie. A lie. Yeah. And then he walks out and we see Damon. He seems really self-satisfied. Mm-hmm. And then we look at uh, Tom Riddle, um, Rip Van Kelt. Well, so I think Fraser... Essentially, it's like they, as they argue about it in the Council of Eldrond, they expel Damon and Fraser from the room. They say, you guys get out. We'll have a secret ballot vote. This is where uh, Chris O'Donnell was like really coming to Fraser's aid. Yes. And it was the nerdy four eyes guy who is like super, he's like the most yeah. anti-Semitic in the room. Yes, he's the most anti-Semitic like, person He's a dirty Jew. Like, what, what do you mean? And just very anti-Semitic. The voice for all the entire room. Uh, and they all eventually vote on it, and then they show up to Fraser, and they tell him that. He says, okay, I'll go to the headmaster, and I'll lie. So then I think we go, we're in the headmaster's office. You seem concerned. 
No, I'm just looking something up. Okay. He goes to the headmaster's office and he's like, I was the one who cheated. I, I cheated on the test. And the headmaster's like, no, you didn't. I know you didn't. And then the, the person who's behind Fraser turns around and it's Rick Van Kelt. Rip yeah. Van Kelt. And he's like, I also saw Damon. I also saw Dylan cheat. So I know it wasn't you. Yeah. So it's like, so they say, so we, you're a good student here. We don't want you to ruin your future. We hope you stay. Um, but we are going to expel Dylan, Matt Damon. Yeah. And he's like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to leave because you may use me for football, but I'll use you to get into Harvard. And here's the thing. That line was delivered like it was a gotcha, but didn't really feel like a gotcha. Yeah. Like, it's like, good. Yeah, you yeah. should use me to get into Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> like, we want you to get into Harvard, yeah. pal. Like, I never felt there was any animosity from the headmaster. Yeah. The headmaster, like, hears out yeah, Rip Van Kelt. ending. And it's like, yeah, we believe both of you that this guy from a very reputable family did it. So we're yeah. just going to expel him. There's no, like... Like it, they, they, there was a lot of different ways they could have upped the Annie and the tension here. Like if Rip Van Kelt went to the headmaster and the headmaster decided to ignore that yeah. evidence and still expel David Green, Brendan Fraser. Yes. But like, no. Literally is like, oh, we got another witness who backs you up, so we're going to expel Damon. So congrats. We hope you still stay at our school. Yeah. And so they do expel Damon. Yep. And Fraser walks and he runs into him and Damon's like... He's in the car. Yeah, he's in the car on his way home. He looks like he's been crying. And he's just like, you know, I'm still good. I'll still probably get into Harvard. Um, But you'll still be a Jew. Yeah, you'll still be a Jew. And then Fraser looks at him and says, you'll still be a prick. And then Damon takes off. That's the last line of the movie. And Fraser walks up and we get this big wide shot of the church center ground and Fraser walking towards it. Still, he's still underneath like this. um, He's still in this very waspy system. The movie's over. And the movie ends. Yeah. I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What what uh what was that about? <laughs> um I, before we get into post text, just imme- my immediate thoughts is I like this movie. I thought it was fine. I, I, I did like this movie. Yeah. I I liked it just because even though there were a lot of good moments that only existed in a vacuum, they were good moments nonetheless. Fraser really does pull off a really good performance in this and it's backed up by a good performance by Matt Damon yeah. as well and a couple other good supporting cast. Um, and you know, it is very thin and it is very like non, like there's not a lot of tension and stakes, but, uh, I, I, I like what the movie's like at least trying to do. It has a good heart. Yeah. The movie is trying to be a movie about, you know, rejecting prejudice. Yeah. Um, I just don't think the, the pieces are laid enough for it to really sing. Yeah. But it's fine. It's no love song for Bobby Long for me. (laughs) I thought it might, but it isn't. It is, and it's fine. I enjoyed it well. It's very watchable. Yeah, Fraser's very good. Fra- Fraser is never the problem in this movie. Yeah, and like this should have been, in theory, the movie that kind of like shows him as a dramatic actor and allows him to kind of blossom into some more da- exciting, daring work. However, um, but the things that comes out, it gets mixed reviews. Um, it currently is a sixty percent Rotten Tomatoes, which I use Rotten Tomatoes a lot, but I just want to acknowledge like a lot of these reviews are done m- relatively recently. Are the updated Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Because it's not 100%. Um, but that's the score it has now. Ebert liked it. He gave it three out of four. Yeah. Um, Siskel liked it. Siskel liked For the most part, people are like, it's fine. Yeah. 
um, which is roughly the thought I had. Um, and then it was a commercial failure. It grossed 14.7 um, on a budget of 18. So it lost about $4 million plus. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I'm sure Fraser was very, was like, yeah. He's, there's a lot of, as Stuart said, a lot of promotional material online of him talking about this movie. Yeah. Uh, so he's clearly very passionate about this. Even during Encino Man, he's like, this is the movie he wanted to be remember, like people to watch for him that year. Yeah. And instead it's Encino Man. Yeah. And so, like we talked about at the beginning, I think the, the majority, like, the real impact of this movie is that he comes out of it and decides, all right, well, I'll just keep doing what um, people liked. Um, and Hollywood's like, okay, they liked him in the comedy, they didn't like him in the drama, we'll offer him more stuff like that. Yeah. Less dramatic, more charming comedic. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that after the both of these two movies, like, Fraser has the accolades to step into the title level of being called a working actor yeah like i think from this point on like frazier is now like he won't struggle for work um which there will become a period where we'll talk about that but he's at the period now where he's got enough accolades and enough like proof under his belt that he's not going to work he'll get work he won't hollywood's hollywood's looking at him and they're trying to figure out where they're going to put him in their system and that's where we're at with fraser yeah is he is a multi-shaped peg that they're whittling him down into which hole he goes in yes that's that's good i like yeah. that i like no, that you you teed it up well you, you yeah, teed it up yeah yeah that was this, good. that was teamwork that's good finish that's what that was good finish um but that's mostly the impact of this movie i feel like we talked about the impact a lot in the intro yeah uh so i really don't have too much for you yeah i don't really have much left either but, um uh, but yeah um overall an interesting movie i'm glad i watched it um, wouldn't say it's exceptional, but I am glad that Fraser got the opportunity to show off some dramatic chops. Same. And that's uh, I'd say that's my final thought on this movie. Anything else you want to add? No, I think I've got pretty much everything yeah. I needed to say about it. So yeah, yeah so that was School Ties. Thank yeah. you, folks, so much for listening. Uh, please do make sure to check tune in next week for our episode on Twenty Bucks, which is a movie. <laughs> it is book, 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 book. Uh, 20 bucks, book, 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 books. that's what I'm starting that episode calling my shot right now okay I'm doing the Altoys barn thing oh uh, 20 bucks book, 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 books yes um, as always please remember to rate for you subscribe on every platform you're listening on as a reminder we are available on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts and YouTube we're also available on a lot more websites than I originally thought if you go through our RSS feed there's a lot of random podcast sites that we are available on really yeah um, I didn't know that I've it's like things that literally do not exist. Like it's like podstream.com or something like that. Huh. Like weirdo websites right that. So we are available in more places than I thought. Interesting. Um but yeah, you can in addition to finding us on all those various websites, you can find us at Travolting Pod on Twitter or Instagram for updates and fun stuff. Find us Podcast at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions. Uh, pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, at Stuart Elmore 95 He's brought it back, folks. Um, and as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Boden-Smith for the theme music that is currently taking you out. Have a great week, folks, and see you next time. Bye! Fuck White Castle. Bye.